You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is an ongoing analysis of two of the cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, the Godzilla Millennium Era continues as Godzilla takes on a giant dragonfly and black hole cannons. It's 2000's Godzilla vs. Megaguirus. everybody and welcome to another edition of the bombzilla podcast uh the what you would know as the normal episodes but now you know kind of the main timeline episodes yeah now, that we will call them I, I would call it a normal episode yeah because all our other episodes are abnormal episodes oh yeah. uh, they're so weird and wacky it is weird though now because we've been spending this month on our new um output yeah it's like drop off um, it, it seems so long ago that we've talked about the previous, uh, film, yes. uh, in this, in this canon. Uh, we, we've talked about so much. We've done a new movie review. We've talked about a Bond movie. We've had uh, well, two uh, news And it episodes. wasn't just a Bond movie. It was an insane, yeah. like, production and insane movie movie. That was, that was crazy. But yeah, so if you've been keeping up to date, thank you. But uh, yes, we have our new um, uh, news episodes in which we deliver news when we get it. So now we don't um, have to talk about news here. Yes. So now, now we're just going to talk about nothing. Yeah. So um, we got flies in our apartment. Yes. Very uh, apropos of our uh, conversation today. I was thinking about as we were hopping on mic that we are uh, we are battling off an infestation as as best as best as we can. I got uh, my fly swatters over there. Um, but, uh, if anybody knows, um, how to get rid of flies and you don't have a Godzilla, I guess we could just get a lizard mm-hmm. and that would, because it's like when you have vermin, right? You get a cat. Yeah. So if you have insects, do you get a lizard? Yeah. Is that what you did? Well, you know, we can just Google. I mean, yeah. we don't need the people. By the time that people listen to this episode and like email us about yeah. how to get rid of flies, the flies will probably be gone or will they be multiplied? Yeah. Who, who knows? knows? Yeah. It, it's, it's, we're not going to lose anything. Because either we will get information how to get rid of flies yeah. for a future infestation, and then we also get more output, more and people could, listening. That, that could lead into a future Godzilla deep dive episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what? Let's just change the show. All right. Welcome to Flycast. Um, I'm Will. And, That's uh, actually like a like fly fishing. That would be a Flycast. That would be a pretty good name for a... Yeah, that would be no. What it would it would be? It's like it's a podcast about flies, but then there is a fly fishing podcast, and then they're mad at the fly podcast for stealing Flycast. Oh, yeah. and they're like, dude, Flycast fits more for us. And then they're like, well, how much do you want to pay for it? Let's pay for the rights of podcast names. That's got to be a thing, right? I'm sure, someone somewhere. Yeah. Who do you think? How much would you sell the Bonzilla brand for? How much would you sell it for? It's gotta go to a good home first, you know. Oh, like, oh, okay. Then goes, I, I don't, I don't want to settle it. Like, what you want me to sell it to, like Jeff Bezos or something, where it's just he's buying up podcast names. That would actually be a lot of money. So, <laughs> I, well, it, it is. I do respect that you are thinking of the the caretaking of yeah. the um. Well, it's just, uh, of the it's, podcast you know, name. it's just like any of those like family movies where something is getting sold off, and right. you really think like the kids 
like the you know it's you know you could be the dad who's like oh i'm gonna sell it's a hard decision but i'm gonna sell this thing off but then the kids which is me actually sees that the guy's buying it is like evil and he's gonna build over the empire of like you know oh he's gonna sell the old amusement park to like a good guy but like you know yeah you know alan cummings actually the evil businessman (laughs) my next question was gonna be who plays the businessman yeah and you came up with a better i was gonna say like michael keaton or something but alan cummings is a much better the thing is it's like it's like a because you need someone who's gonna get in all the child's wackiness right like like, like the like Michael Keaton would do it good, but like if this was the adult version of this, it would be a Michael Keaton. Yeah. But because it's the kids' version of this, you get an Alan Cumming. Because because eventually Alan Cumming at the end goes crazy because the kids have like you know covered him in like pie crust or something. And, yeah, and he's like <laughs> the kids, it's the kids. They've done this to me, and then he gets arrested, and then he they find out like some other thing, and then and then the dad's like, you know what, kids, I do want to take care of this amusement park. That is funny because that's that period of movie where you are just arrested on the grounds of being the bad guy. Yeah. Like, you're not really, like, what is he being charged with other than he was the villain in this kid's movie? <laughs> or no, they, they, like, take him in and then and then they find out. Like, that's after he's already been arrested. Yeah. That's when they find out the illegal stuff is Oh, happening. my God. See, I'm already imagining this whole scene where he's being taken into the car and he's got all the pie crust on him and then he's like you'll never you'll never be able to get proof and then like somebody like plays the recording of like him saying like he's like i'll take down you and your family and it's like looks like you're going downtown mr cummings no i thought it's just it's just his name is alan um so now that we don't have to do news this is what we feel at the beginning of our exactly (laughs) so anyway all of that said Today we have, as Nick said, one of our normal episodes in which we dive deep, not into one of our deep dives, but into a specific movie in the canon of films. While we are reaching the outer limits of the Bond franchise, we are still full steam ahead on the Godzilla franchise. We're we are, still in the Millennium Era. We are, uh, we are, I believe, movie 25, I believe, in um yes so uh because yep, the next bond movie I think it's 24 been, well yeah, no isn't it 25 yeah 25 because because if you know we would have been talking about bond 25 had it been out so come on bond 25 get your shit together mm, stop playing video games <laughs> um so anyway uh nick last time we uh um talked about 1999's godzilla 2000 mm-hmm. so today we will be talking about 2000's godzilla 2001 <laughs> uh godzilla versus megagirus also known as godzilla x megagirus the g annihilation strategy Ugh. and usually in japan x means cross right well that's actually just to kind of you know get right into it one of the reasons that they used the x is because they had used the verses yeah. technically so much in the in the past yeah. so just to brand it a little bit differently for the new era yeah. x marks the spot like it's not street fighter x tekken it's street fighter cross tekken Oh, so it's Godzilla cross Megagirus? Yeah. Who crosses who? We cross the crossers. Yeah. Who crosses <laughs> who cr- the crosses? <laughs> who crosses the crossmen? <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, Godzilla vs. Megagirus, uh, directed by Masaki Tezuka. And, uh, Nick, let's get into this new um, second entry into the Millennium series mm-hmm. of the Godzilla franchise, the modern era. So... 
last uh, we left off was with Godzilla 2000. And um, if we remember from that movie, uh, that movie was Toho's big, you know, reclamation project onto the Godzilla franchise, their big coming out party for the new modern era of Godzilla following the disastrous uh, 1998 American Godzilla. And um, despite the work being put into that, the Godzilla 2000 or Godzilla Millennium, as it was known in Japan, um, didn't succeed in making the big splash that Toho wanted. It once again failed to capture pretty much any love in the American uh, on the American side of things and um it had lukewarm at best reception in Japan. Like mm-hmm. slightly favorable but you know it wasn't as like oh like it it wasn't like this big like everybody loved it and Godzilla's back. It was kind of like oh cool another Godzilla movie. Uh, so despite all that, uh, Toho was persistent to keep the franchise going, and that leads to the second edition in the Millennium franchise. So uh, the production of Megaguirus uh, actually goes back to the non-flashy origins that we have seen in the Showa era, meaning that there's not too much reported on what actually went into making the film, um, and there is really nothing especially unique about the production itself other than to keep the franchise going. Um, so Toho brought in uh, Masaki Tezuka to direct, who had previously worked on as an assistant director on Toho's late 90s Rebirth of Mothra trilogy films, and this would mark his directorial debut. And the script was penned by Hiroshi Kashiwabara and Wataru Mamura, um, who, if we remember, worked uh, were Godzilla veterans, had worked previously on Heisei Godzilla films, and worked on the script for Godzilla 2000. Um, so, while not much was reported about the actual production of the film, there were there was some documentation, including uh, some concept art, to suggest that an initial concept of the film included astronauts traveling to the moon to find Godzilla bones. Um, unfortunately, how this would have manifested into a greater plot is uh, not known. I think... Uh... We've had enough of Space Godzilla, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we need to go back to that well mm-hmm. so quickly. What if what if they, what if that was like a thing where cuz they go up there they find Godzilla bones and then it's like this like maybe it's like this commentary about how they fake the moon landing. I don't know how that relates. I just would like to see that. I just kind of got that because it's like, oh, Godzilla's like cheesy special effects and people think the moon landing was a cheesy special effect. <laughs> And then it turns into this weird like. And Kubrick secretly, it, Kubrick secretly lighted uh, "Spy Who Loved Me" yeah. <laughs> and made the moon land. Um, so yeah, that so that was all that was known about a uh, unproduced version of this movie. But the ultimate finished uh, result was a hodgepodge of new ideas and concepts seen to the Godzilla franchise. Um, as mentioned. Um, that we previously talked about in the 2000s movies, the Millennium series would really now plant its foot in the ground and establish itself as a series of standalone films, um, with the newest film ignoring the events of Godzilla 2000 not being a sequel, but um, using only 1954's Gojira as a reference point. Okay. Um, the Now, w- what's funny is like when I... W- when I've been like kind of looking up in Godzilla fandom about how people review refer to these movies, it's, it's often funny that people consider all these movies to be like just a series of reboots, which I guess is technically true, but it's also just kind of funny. Like how like loosely we use like the term. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's also like, because it's also just interesting because you could really even see the Showa films as a kind of that way, because the Showa films have a very 
loose continuity. A very if, loose continuity. That, yeah. But really it is just more so like each one of those Showa movies is very much like it's just like Godzilla exists in this realm. Because mm-hmm. like it's hard to imagine, you know, it's it's even hard to imagine something like, you know, like like Hedorah and Mechagodzilla and Son of Godzilla all have very different tones and different ways of going about things and, and even different ways that people react to Godzilla. You know, and it's just hard to imagine like those films actually being like, you know, the set order. It's really just just I mean, just the Hasey films have really set up this like continuity. Continuity and really the continuity in those films is the the Miki character. Yeah, they um and but like even those films, they they do like come they do like feed off of plot details from each one, like, you know, Mecha Godzilla being made out of Mecha King Ghidorah from yeah. like that movie. So but like you're right, the Showa era films were definitely more of you, you can definitely argue that they were in fact like a like a series of films and sequels to each other, but they were more of like spiritual successors to yes, each other. They're where, all still in that same realm of what the Millennium Era is doing. It's basically like or does, I mean, but I think the what I think what so far mm-hmm. has made the Millennium Era different is that it's very much more in your face about kind of how right. each one is different. Whereas the it really just goes with what Toho was viewing those to- show Hero movies were, mm-hmm. where it's just like show is like, oh, we just need a new Godzilla movie. Okay, uh, here's this Gigan creature. Okay, have him fight. You know, right, it's very right. much like basically just kind of the concept and then the general plot with Hero. Whereas this one, you know, especially with 2000 and Megagaris, it's very much more in the like. You know, in Magiris, they make it clear, like, what this, the w- continuity of this world is and how it differs from 2000. Well, I do think it also speaks to fandom's uh, obsession with continuity, yes. too. That, yes. like, we just kind of assume that, especially, like, with the advent of, like, the MCU and a bunch of different, like, mm-hmm. cinematic universes, we just assume that the natural progression is that it should just be continue on in in a timeline right. as opposed to where there's really nothing fundamentally wrong with like every movie it's just kind of like a new mm-hmm. like j- just a new standalone movie and i actually think that it would be interesting it would never happen but it would be interesting if the bond movies did that and that you got like maybe like a couple years of just like somebody taking a new stab at like this right. is what their version of a bond movie yeah. is like i i think that would be cool be, but it, but you, you but also, also risk also, investment too you also risk investment and i just think like you know it it would it would, it would be a risk to be sure yeah. but also yeah because By then the it's way, like you get people onto one bond, and then like, well, the next bond is like a new guy, and you're like, wait, see, is that this would, related to like that the... would be more so like if you did like a bond like mini series on Amazon where it's just like here's like you like, know a bond anthology, a bond anthology more so than anything else. Like the, the, the way to make that interesting would be to do like a bond anthology, but essentially it's like these mini shows of like here is a modern interpretation of like you know, Goldfinger or like a specific Bond movie and like kind of redo it like that. But just mm-hmm. doing it all in new stuff, I don't know if that would work. Because also, by the way, everybody, all the Bonds are different. And they're not just one code name. Like yeah. all you <laughs> jackasses on Reddit that seem to think these days. What, it, did we ever talk about what you would do if that were the case? I I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Oh, What, what about okay. it doesn't make sense? Well, yes. Okay, sure. Multiple Bonds were married to a woman named Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. I guess, yeah, it doesn't make sense. What if it's like, what if they, oh man, what if they do like a Spider-Verse situation? We must have mentioned that on this show See, before. See, that's what I would love. Yeah. If they actually did like a, a animated Bond movie where it's like into, into the, the Bond-verse. Bond-verse. 
<laughs> because there were rumors flying around about a new comic Spider-Verse. They mm. would bring about, get all the movie Spider-Men, so that would be interesting. But. I would love that even for a Godzilla, where they like bring back all the Godzillas. Like, and it's just all, like, the different... Like, you, you there's so many art renditions yeah. of, like, here is the timeline of all the different Godzillas in a row. Yeah. You'd Could have, you imagine and, them all fighting? And you'd want it to be, like, the uh, Freddy vs. Jason versus Ass, the second comic that they did. Yes. Where it just brings back all the surviving characters. Yes. Like, yeah. even though for Godzilla, you know, like, it would just be weird, but, like, you'd have to, like, in this kind of verse, you'd also bring together, like, all these, like weirdo protagonists like you'd have miki and dr sarazawa from the first movie and then dr sarazawa from the new yes, movies yes. <laughs> and, and, and the sarazawas have that spider-man moment <laughs> i love it um so um yeah so uh this new film is only using 1954's gojira as a reference point the idea this time around being a complete retcon of events in which godzilla was never killed by the oxygen destroyer and his attack on tokyo resulted in an alternate series of historical events um the movie would also include more outlandish ideas such as a black hole device to kill godzilla and um and i'm trying to and then there was another point i was going to i was going to make about it but um yeah no but that basically kind of like covers like just like the approach uh to this movie is that the the concept of just always like starting over from scratch not be being holden to the um actual previous film mm-hmm. the only thing that was actually maintained from the previous film was the uh, suit was the godzilla suit um, which is that more reptilian, spiky um, spines on the back uh, that we had seen in the previous film that was brought back over with very minimal, if any, changes uh, in this film. Um, so the movie would also continue to the tradition of having Godzilla fight another monster. And in coming up with a new foe, Toho went back into their library and picked an unlikely opponent whose origins would probably only be recognized to the most uh, dedicated kaiju aficionados. Uh, there's no way I don't think you would know this one. Uh, so in the film, we have the appearance of dragonfly-type creatures uh, known as the Meganula and the Meganulan. Nick, these are actually insect-like creatures from the original Rodan film. Well, I have not seen it, so <laughs> I definitely would not know. But um, their overall design in that film were different, but they still essentially were giant insects, and they were... Uh, creatures that terrorized villagers until they were ultimately eaten by Rodan uh, itself. Uh, But that was where they got the inspiration for this new creature. It's like, let's go back into our databanks. Let's take uh, a deep dive back into the databanks. Yeah, and uh, basically reinvent uh, an old monster that you had forgotten, which is kind of cool, which is like an inspired choice. Which is basically like, you know, if it's like you, if you old woman who had seen that Rodan film might be like, oh, but it's it's (laughs) Rodan ate those things years ago. But then for us, it's just like, it just seems like a new monster to talk about. About. It's a very uh, Grant Morrison esque move, <laughs> where you take like go back mm. into the the history of the franchise, take something that nobody would remember, but is in the franchise, yeah. and you're like, let's reinvent it. And that, re- that's a solid, <laughs> that's a solid play right there. Uh, and reinvent it, they did into our new monster and movie's namesake, Megagirus. Um, in which that is our foe, our new creature for this for this film. Nick, as always, when we get a new monster, it is up to you, Nick, to describe 
what this new monster is. Nick, tell us a little bit about a, Megagirus and uh, your your thoughts on the creature and the design. It's a giant dragonfly with kind of a scorpion-esque tail mm-hmm. um, stinger type of deal. It's got little pincers. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's basically, it's kind of a, actually a flashback to basically when we were getting just giant spiders and giant lobsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just one of those things where I think it's a solid foe for Godzilla. Um, I think... It's a little bit better think, than just... Like yeah, it's 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 like a, a lobster. It is a little bit more like creative, I guess, than just a just a giant lobster. Yeah, yeah. Even though Abira is awesome, Abira is awesome. Abira yeah. is great. Um, but what I would say about it is that it's it's just solid, you mm-hmm. know. And I, I think a lot of what I want to excuse me, uh, a lot of what I want to talk about, I think, is more suited for like the the movie mm-hmm. discussion. Um, there are definitely directions where they kind of start taking the monsters. And I wish they would have kind of stuck with those because I think they made them more interesting. Um, but I think what's also interesting about Megagirus is that it actually, you know, the the monster stuff in the film actually starts off with this kind of a bunch of smaller creatures, mm-hmm. which I think is very unique and, and, and serves for a, a unique angle in, in the movie. And that's what I kind of was most exciting about the creatures and the creature in this movie is that there was kind of a more unique angle on it where it wasn't just... Oh, here's another giant monster, mm-hmm. and it's just, like there's there's actually kind of a buildup. It kind of reminded me actually of, um, in a sense, sort of even even better way of what Hedora was, where you know Hedora had the different forms, but you kind of built up to like, oh, here's the real true ultimate mm-hmm. form of this. And I think that Megagirus has that same sort of buildup where it's like, well, here's kind of all the smaller creatures, and then eventually, you know, you get the the machinations and the evolutions, and all of a sudden it becomes this giant creature that's fighting Godzilla in the third act. And I think that's Mm-hmm. makes it very it's effective. also it's also interesting because i think that we have in some ways kept a tally of the new creatures that have been introduced since maybe biolanti because like we had biolanti but ever since then it has mostly been uh with the exception of a few reiterations well, it's, it's really, but it, it's yeah. like it's been new monsters have been biolanti since like the hasty era right monsters have really been it's been biolanti Space Godzilla, technically. Yeah, Space Godzilla's one. No, Destroya. And Destroya was there. Because so. I was going in order. Yeah. Excuse me. And then yeah, Orga. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really been, you know, it wasn't like in the in the show era where it's just like every new movie there was like, well, here's like the new cool thing for Godzilla to see. So, mm-hmm. so th- that makes it kind of like cool that they're maintaining like making a new monster, mm-hmm. even though like in design somewhat, it's very similar to having a mothra or a batra where it's kind of like a big flying insect mm-hmm. monster because yeah. i remember this was one of like the first godzilla movies that when i was getting back into godzilla that i got the dvd of and then i rented it and it was interesting because you know being a layman to the godzilla franchise it like to me it was always like oh this is like kind of like a knockoff mothra or batra because it's like kind of the same thing right. and then but then when you watch it he's got a she, well actually she because uh uh, according into the movie, that this uh, Megagirus actually acts as a mutated Meganula queen, so she's actually establishes herself as one more uh, female kaiju. Um, but she's got some tricks up her sleeve. Um, so as you said, she's a dragonfly kaiju. Uh, she was achieved via a combination of uh, practical effect and a suit performer, which if you could get to go to see the pictures of the suit performer in the Megagirus outfit, it is pretty spectacular because it's just like the person like hung up in in like on the wires with the suit around them and their head just sticking out of like a a piece of the suit so it's 
you like it's actually i would suggest anybody go back and look into the behind the scenes of them making the creature effects it is it is awesome um so uh megagirus also marks the another godzilla foe that's actually based off of real prehistoric life uh, in which it was uh um that the meganula themselves uh in this form were reminiscent of prehistoric like dragonflies that were like the size of seagulls uh theoretically and uh, technically speaking megagirus is the second oldest godzilla foe in origin the oldest still being the pre-cambrian period origins of destroya um so that mo- so uh those are a couple um big things about megagirus uh but megagirus like i think like looks in retrospect looks pretty cool mm-hmm. um like i said it's a giant dragonfly but they make it more of a monster because especially in the context of the movie it has godzilla dna in which we have a second monster that is after that precious godzilla blood after that precious godzilla dna so godzilla credit- dna <laughs> we get the code and make a megagirus <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so uh but it points to you know differentiating it uh, especially like with some of the tricks um that they that will get into the movie that distinguish uh her from like a mothra or a bachelor or something like that mm-hmm. um so that is really there's not really too much else to say about the actual making of the film a, th- a thing that i was going to mention up top about the direction of the film is you know, as we get into it, uh, there was a sense of making this uh, going in a slightly different direction, making this a little bit more of a creature feature in some aspects of it. Um, whereas the um, Godzilla 2000 uh, definitely took inspirations from some big blockbuster influences of there being aliens and UFOs, yeah. while also kind of simultaneously, as we talked about in that episode, trying to. Uh, do the opposite of what the 98 film did whereas this one kind of seems like it's just mostly doing its own thing um and then really there's other small details as this one has many long-standing uh uh returning actors and actresses and uh small roles one of the bigger roles being a uh, returning actress Yuriko Hoshi um who plays uh our our one of our lead uh veteran scientists uh that um we see in this film who has actually been uh in previous Godzilla films of Godzilla versus Mothra the original one and Ghidra the um three-headed monster um in which um I believe she played the reporter in uh Godzilla versus Mothra mm. um which uh we, there there is no there's no reporter in this movie is there no, no. there isn't we need I think... to bring back our reporters in our kaiju movies yeah i mean i guess like what what's the most newest one who's the most newest reporter i mean is Brie Larson a reporter? She and, no, she's and... a freelance photographer. So <laughs> does that no, count? I, that counts. No, because her, her whole thing is like she's been like exposing. You know, she like she's famous for photos and like you know, you know she's a. How do I put that? I don't know. I don't know if in the movie. I assume like she's a type of photographer that would take an award-winning photo of the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and be like, "Look at the horrors of war," which is journalism one hundred and one. Right? right, right. The horrors of war. Is it? That's the first class you take in yeah. like. All right, first day horrors of war. Um, so anyway, so that kind of like wraps up a lot of stuff about, um, Godzilla versus Megaguirus, which kind of shows that, um, it's interesting because the Godzilla franchise and especially recently speaking, you know, I think that it has that sense that like, oh, like everybody, especially in film 
loves retroactive remembering of film history and there is a sense of this is a big topic for for me and will yeah <laughs> and this has been actually a big thing about this podcast as a whole is going back through film history and seeing kind of really the truth about kind of how things were perceived at different times in yeah. different ways. And the reason I bring that up is because, again, we've had uh, an American Godzilla movie just released this uh, past month. And um, and then even with, like, all the American attempts at Godzilla, there has been not a big pushback, but there has been some sense of, like, oh, like, you know, you know the Americanization of Godzilla and making it kind of, like, going in certain directions maybe making it you know dumb blockbusters and there's again not many but the sense of a lot of people and i never understand if this is like well initiated godzilla fans or if it's just like people who know film history both people would opinions would be valid but there is this sense that they go back to it's like but look at the original gojira which is a you know the actual serious uh uh, melodramatic uh, you know contemplation on like the horrors of nuclear warfare but as we have seen throughout this whole franchise and as we see with a movie like this is that Toho much like any production company is a for-profit uh, franchise running uh, production company that will wants to continue their franchise and just get the movies out and then sometimes even up until the 2000s Toho is just as for lack of a better term, responsible for, like, push out a movie. <laughs> Let's get a movie made. Granted, there may be a little bit more attention and respect given to those than to the early Showa era, but there is a sense where it's like, you know, there's nothing special about the making of this film. It's like they're just, like, churning out another Godzilla movie. And I do think it's just, it very much, it does it does remind me a lot of a kind of Showa era production, more so not just the pushing it out part, but just more so like, okay, we have... We want to do a new Godzilla movie. Here's a monster idea. Okay, let's build a kind of movie around that. You mm-hmm. know, and especially because because the Hasey era was filled with oh, we think this is going to be the last one for a while. Mm-hmm. We think that the American one's going to get off the ground. Like a lot of those stories were very much like well, especially the later ones. Earlier on, they were really trying to make them work. Yeah. Like it's like let's. Uh... It was put by oh, we're, we're reintroducing this mm-hmm. to then okay, well, we're actually kind of getting ready to move away because the Americans are going to do their thing. Yeah. We're going to give them the room. And also so, remember, they went back just, to the well too. Yeah, with they like did. Ghidorah and Mothra and stuff. Yeah. So. It, you know, it's you well, know. history repeat itself. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's just funny because we can all everybody always misremembers it, and it's like the Godzilla franchise is just like yeah. any franchise that anybody would give you know crap for, like you know our own American franchises. Yes. Um, Film borders all over the world. Yeah, and uh, and you know what? I for one am uh, very happy about that because it gives me more Godzilla movies to watch and talk about. Yeah, uh, Nick. And then the last piece of information I'll say, and I know it's one of your favorite pieces of IMDb trivia in a Godzilla film. That, and I don't know if you knew this, but even though this movie came out in the year two thousand, it actually in the movie takes place in the year. 2001 it would be a godzilla movie it didn't take <laughs> place the next year uh all right nick uh See, like we, we should go back because like that one there was a one godzilla movie i forget which one it was but like in the movie it said like 1970 x like that was like the year so that you know like they did the mega man i think uh that was astro monster yeah, that did one, that. yeah. one of those one of those movies no because remember I, I do believe it was because it was like the aliens and then they were yeah. coming down and but yeah. then there was that one where i think was it me, was it Megalon that was like a prequel or something? It was a prequel to Destroy All Monsters 
or something like that because no, yeah. it's like right. something about Monster Island. Yeah, something, but something like that. Yeah, but there was another. One. I think it was actually like Megalon or somewhere that did a similar thing. I think there's multiple ones. Oh, oh, because uh, Ghidorah gets killed and destroyed all monsters, but yeah. then he shows up in Godzilla versus Gigan. Yes, okay. that's what it was. Very nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Nineties. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> but back to 2001. I mean, 2000. I mean, 2019 when well, we're recording. I, I just think we need to go back to that, like, you know, 1970X or the Mega Man, like, 20, 20X. 20XD6. Or 20, of course. Can't get by without mentioning 20XD6. We don't really, I mean, I guess you have Blade Runner 2049, but we don't really do that much. Well, Cyberpunk's 2077. 2077, yeah. But there's not really that much of, like, like there's not that obsession with, like, the unknown future. Because well, I think we all realize that like the future is really not going to be that different. Because <laughs> people people were like, oh, like the Jetsons. Like, you know, you have all those old movies that are like, oh, like the future of 1999. Yeah. And there's like flying cars. And, it's, like, it's literally just like the future is just going to be like your screens are just going to look nicer. Yes. That's what they're going to I think we just all realize that there's no really point. So all these even futures like Blade <laughs> Runner and, and Cyberpunk 2077 are very much like, oh, there's kind of like our world, but just like a little more futuristic. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I, at the end of the day, give us like a a two thousand X, right? Like or two hundred X. I guess nineteen seventy X. I think that sounds a little bit better. But whatever, give well, us the give us the X. Give well, us the cross. Well, while we're waiting, who that, crosses the crossman? Well, we're gonna find out as Godzilla crosses Megaguirus. I'm gonna get us back on board. All right, here, let's talk about it. Godzilla crosses Megaguirus. Give me that quote. That thing was absolutely huge. It was the king of the Meganula. Yes. It's called Megagurus. Megagurus? Yes, a specimen that is chosen among the Meganula, like a queen bee. Some years ago, I believe, a fossil was found somewhere in eastern China. Megagurus is a formidable fighter, attacking enemies whatever size, to expand its territory. The species remained almost invincible for several million years. And we're back! Yes. That was the quote! Yep, that was the quote. Uh, monsters crossing monsters. Godzilla crossing dragonflies, dragon megagiruses crossing giant lizards. Uh, People crossing the line. Yeah. Do they cross the line in this movie? That one guy crosses the line because he was did the thing he wasn't supposed to do. Yeah, in which the movie has an opinion about that. Sure. This was... So here's the thing. I did not hate this movie. I thought this was... This was one of those things where I didn't think it... It was solid in the sense that it was like... It wasn't bad. It I had issues with it, but it wasn't bad. It was certainly like watchable... But it wasn't, you know, it's not it's not a top movie. It does very much remind me, uh, is speaking of how the production is very much Showa era-esque, I did, it did remind me of kind of like a middle ground kind of Showa era film in that kind of Son of Godzilla type of realm mm-hmm. where it has issues to be certain, but there is a lot, still a lot of fun to be had. There's kind of wacky fights and wacky science and just kind of like, okay, this is a movie. Well, the reason I bring that up is because this movie has a history within the reception of the Godzilla canon as being one of the least favorable ones I've often felt it was one of the more forgotten ones Mm -hmm. especially in the Millennium series and I found myself I never remembered hating this movie or like disliking it um 
And but frankly, this is the only one of these movies that I haven't seen since maybe 2014. Right. So like I have kind of like casually rewatched all of them, uh, but this was the one I hadn't seen in quite some time. Um, and it's also going to be interesting going forward because I have, I have very interesting, probably mixed feelings about the Millennium Era that I think that many of my other Godzilla fans uh, don't quite share the same opinion that I would share. Um, but revisiting this movie, um, uh, we have a uh, classic. Patrick, friend of the podcast. Patrick, friend of the podcast. <laughs> there was a great tweet. I think we should mention that where somebody's like the like the new kind of compliment is being called yeah, the, the friend of the podcast. Life is to be called, the goal in life is to be called friend <laughs> of the podcast. Um, but uh, he had watched it um, and he had uh, kind of like, you know, like was very excited about us rewatching this. So this is somewhat dedicated uh, to Patrick. And uh, if you know our friend, you would kind of understand why he enjoys this movie. But it, it would Patrick, if you are listening, when we were watching this movie, both Nick and I shared the sentiment that we understood exactly why this movie was up your alley. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing I would say uh, about this movie, ultimately, as I was thinking about what is my actual kind of overall opinion of this film, and the thing I said was, like, it has just enough, but also not enough of it. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good way to put it. Because <laughs> I, I would say, like, I would put this... I definitely felt like I think this is better for me just as a whole package than Godzilla 2000. I, oh, I thought this was a big step up from 2000. But it, but it's very much like I, I – and I, I actually was going to make this point where you're right. I think it does enough where you're like, oh, that's actually interesting and that's pretty cool. But mm-hmm. you kind of want a little bit more out of it. Right. And, and there's one specific scene that I can think of where that's definitely my take. Mm-hmm. Should I just go into it? Well, the, or should be, we just talk be, about the before one? before we get into that? Yeah, because I would agree. And the, and the other thing is, like, I did think this was a step up from two thousand. One of the biggest things for me was that it was it, this to me shows the benefits of just if you streamline a movie and make a no fuss, no must movie, you just make it what it is. It, really it is honestly kind of- goes further than like, let's say a two thousand, which kind of does stuff and kind of doesn't. We have a movie coming out. Uh, after this, which personally I think goes a lot further and tries to do more and, in my opinion, doesn't quite work as well. Whereas this is kind of just like kind of like a sci-fi movie movie. Yeah. And then under those parameters, like it works. Like it, it's, it's a pretty it's, decent it's creature a, feature. It's been a very long time since we had a Godzilla movie kind of like that. Because yes. like because the Hazy era is very much all like these very deep movies, or at least attempts to be deep movies, mm-hmm. with maybe kind of Space Godzilla being the most popcorny in some senses. Right. But uh, even that had like it's like, dude, but we can't kill Godzilla. This isn't right. We, so we, there's no, still a little bit of that. Like uh, like taking over his brain is like yeah. So there's all this kind of depth to it, and like 2000 kind of has that kind of profoundness just in the sense of you know it's trying to be different than 98. Mm-hmm. But again, that's why I said it reminds me of just kind of those like that kind of Son of Godzilla esque kind of show a movie that kind of middle show a movie where it's just like okay here's a here's a concept with Godzilla yeah and let's just put it out there and it's kind of in a way I think that's kind of what made me enjoy this movie a little bit more just because it was kind of refreshing sure to get back to that time where they were playing with genre a little bit and you know we just kind of had the movie mm-hmm. um, but I, you're right there are just some elements of playing with the genre and some elements of that kind of popcorniness that I just felt like they I just needed that next step to really make it like a, 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 up in that upper echelon but yeah. i still think it's a solid middle of the road like you know on the good side of mm-hmm. godzilla movies for me and, and then also to be fair like i will i would say that part of 
the reservations I had about some aspects of the movie, um, because ultimately I consider this decent but mid-tier Godzilla movie yeah. for me. Um, and one of the things that did kind of bump for me is that, personally speaking, I have spent the last like three weeks or so really digging my teeth into a new Godzilla movie. Yeah. So, and the fact that like this one, frankly, is very breezy it feels the mo- it does feel the most like they quickly produced one mm-hmm. like you know put just enough thought into the plot it, it's very much in that level of um like the your megalons or your gigans with a little bit more attention given to like like let's make the plot work a little bit more um so yeah i mean you know th- this is this is good Maybe not very deep, but it's a decent, just fun, breezy, yeah. sci-fi channel creature feature. Solid is... middle, of the, solid middle of the list. Yeah. So, um, so um, let's get into the movie itself. So we should just talk about. So within, I think what's important is to start from the beginning, in the sense of what is the world of this movie. Yeah. So in the world of this movie, which is probably the most interesting direction it goes, yeah. especially in comparison to two thousand. So. Uh, in the beginning of this movie, kind of a, a new history has been has been laid out for us, where mm-hmm. Godzilla attacks in 1954, mm-hmm. in actually a really cool recreation of the 54 footage. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. actually like really cool. They recreate like the scenes from 1954, but with the Godzilla suit yeah. that we see in this. Because I kind of like it was kind of almost shot for shot in a sense. For it's like, wait, is this just like kind of weirdly recolored? Oh no, this is the new suit, so mm-hmm. it's really done. So basically, Godzilla destroys. Tokyo mm-hmm. in 54 and then they make a new capital city in Osaka mm-hmm. which I'm sure is a you know bigger deal to people who know Japanese regions mm-hmm. you know it just seems like sorry a- we're centrist and uncultured yeah. we're trying <laughs> um, but but basically Godzilla kind of comes up every couple years usually to uh, feed off or attack a new energy source so he like attacks a nuclear power plant in the seventies, so nuclear power is banned. Well, that's the big thing. Like, let's not let's not like rush past that. That's like the big retcon of like, like instead of Godzilla being killed, that he basically has redirected history. Yeah. That now it's like because of his attacks, nuclear power is just outlawed completely. Like you can't use it. In which the movie takes this pretty interesting stance that humanity has been or like at least japan has been like there's no other source of energy like solar energy doesn't work like dams don't work like electric well, energy like they, nothing works so I, they have to like without nuclear energy well, I, I thought it was a very interesting kind of like i felt like it take. was more so that it just wasn't enough right um, but it's still kind of like a like the, yeah. the fact that these other natural or you know other energy resources that people even today argue about it is a stance to take that like but those still aren't enough which is kind of interesting i'm not saying that this movie is like pro-nuclear in in any way it's just more i think it's it's making a statement that how uh how feeble we are as a people that Mm -hmm. it's like we're so reliant on you know these uh, dangerous, uh, yeah. these dangerous things. Which ultimately, it's one of these things where it's the first thing where the movie's kind of making, presenting this grand idea that it doesn't really do anything with. Yeah, because because well, then it's like okay, so they're trying like nuclear. Or they, they ban nuclear, so they do solar and mm-hmm. wind energy, and doesn't work. And it's like they just need more because you know Japan's a growing population. So then we get to 1996. And this company has invented plasma-based energy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just plasma-based, and there's big presentation. But then 
as soon as they put this plasma-based energy online, Godzilla attacks again to feed off the plasma energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the origin story for our one of our main characters, mm-hmm. uh, who was a soldier who was trying to fight Godzilla and basically refused to follow the orders of her commanding officer to mm-hmm. retreat. And because of her refusal... Gets her commanding officer killed. Gets her commanding officer killed. Even though her commanding officer told her to shoot it for the legs and she's shooting for her his chest so yeah well but that's like i think the whole tragedy of the the thing is that like she's not falling she's being uh blinded by her her rage so that was 96 so yeah her commanding officer has died she's very upset plasma energy has been banned as well now because again it'll attract godzilla Mm -hmm. and now we jump to yes 2001 uh, where you know we have basically a new kind of version of the anti-Godzilla force mm-hmm. uh, in this movie, and that's kind of where we lead off. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I know which point you were making earlier, where it's like it's this grand idea um, that doesn't really feel like it's you know effective in a in the way well, they that just they, don't do anything. They with don't it do ultimately. anything in the in the way that's like. It's one of those things where if you're going to build even a slight alternate history, mm-hmm. it feels like you need to show a little bit about how that's actually affecting people. Mm-hmm. Like maybe if you had something where there's like rolling blackouts because there's, there isn't enough power to power everything in, in Japan. Right. Or if it is that like, you know, maybe Japan isn't as technologically advanced, you know, than it, than it is because they haven't been able to, to function without, you know, this power. Like you just got to do something because really what it is is it just feels like, you know... You, you give this whole history, and then the world is essentially the same. Or we're creating black holes. Yeah, guys. I mean, it, it does enough where it gets, it keeps the plot going, and it like helps out with certain like plot twists and plot revelations and things like that. I mean, I love, I do. That was probably the biggest thing I liked about this movie. Just what it brought to the table is this idea that Godzilla changes the course of history. Mm-hmm. Just the appearance of him would just affect like. St- like basically snowball into like an alternate like timeline mm-hmm. almost. So I, I do like that idea. Um, so ultimately, yeah, you're right. So it, get, it gets into the present day and then there is like this new Godzilla force. And um, uh, one of the things that these movies have been doing uh, like better at uh, is introducing, you know, there's always the debate about, you know, the human characters in a Godzilla film. Uh, and this one offers like, you know, it, it offers its plethora of characters. We have our leads, who are basically our soldier, who is, you know, is on a revenge uh, mission uh, against Godzilla. We have our lovable scientist engineer, uh, who spends his engineering time entertaining children and doesn't want anything to do with, like, big government or chasing Godzilla until, like, he's given this opportunity to make this, like, ultimate weapon. Uh, we have our lead head scientist, and then we have our lead um, company man. Who and I and I thought that, and again, that's what I felt going back to my original thesis statement, where you know they don't. It's maybe not enough. Ultimately, it's just enough to keep the plot going. But you know, I think that they engage enough for you to like follow like what's going on story wise yeah. and differentiating the characters. Our lead scientist kind of has this. Um, has this uh you know all of her scientist friends died in the previous godzilla attack so that's kind of like her stake in it we have our company man who we um you know they kind of keep secret even though you kind of know what they they play their cards a little early on what his deal is but then they also don't really like get into what the implications of what 
his, his plan there, which I get, I'll just lay it out. So ultimately, you have this guy who ultimately has a villain turn, but he's not a villain in the movie, and he's not really presented as such. Well, basically, because he at the beginning, you know, in this in this pre like beginning of the movie alternate history, he's the one who presented the plasma energy as like this big deal is going to save Japan, right? Like, and he was at the big meeting, and then you know Godzilla attacked. They blamed the plasma energy because it attracted Godzilla, and they banned it. And so, excuse me. Uh, his whole deal is that he basically has been continuing his plasma energy project in secret. Right. And and that's why, because there's this interesting, like, why is Godzilla still going to Tokyo? Why is he coming back and he's attacking? And then that's why. is because he's been doing this energy thing in secret. And, you mm-hmm. know, and again, it is that interesting thing about, like, oh, like, you're still tampering with these energy sources. But the movie doesn't really take like a stance on that, or like was that I mean, a it's, bad it's, thing? It's or the is... one thing where it's like, well, this is going to make us a lot of money. Yeah, but it's it's still very much just like this is my this is my vision, right? And but that's what I mean because you don't. But, get but this... there's not, yeah, there's not really other than like not fault, like, you know, other than detracting Godzilla. There's nothing like more wrong with it, which just makes it hard to you really care about when it's revealed. Well, it plays through the. It, <laughs> The re- I'm trying to stay away from the words like shallow or hollow because I, I think those are harsh, but it does play in that more Saturday morning cartoon kids plot where it's like, you know, they reveal it just enough to be like, no, no, no. Like it's it's more so f- like wagging the finger at yeah. it as opposed to like a deep well, plot. He, he like does revelation. get punched in the face. Though. He does. So it's a little bit more. She like hit him with the finger wag. Yeah. Um, and I, I do feel like there's a, there's a sense of that with all. The, I think all the characters again have that decent setup, and I do like like where a lot of it goes, in terms of like, you know, like the ideas behind those characters. And mm-hmm. I think that you're right; they are solid enough that it makes the plot easy to follow. And there is a sense of like you can care about these characters. I think like mm-hmm. just in terms of the basics of where the, what they're coming from, what they're fighting for, all that sort of stuff. But he just felt like. You know, there was a little bit more um, that you, that you wanted from each. Oh, there's also a kid, the kid. <laughs> it, okay, so it's not so much that the kid is like annoying or anything. The kid's fine. Yeah. The problem with the kid. So there's this kid. There's other plot mechanisms, but there's this kid that kind of shows up early. Yeah. And the problem with the kid is like you think he's gonna be like kind of this big deal in the movie. Well, the movie is kind of his fault. Yeah, he's like the instigator for everything that happens in the movie. But it's also the the movie's kind of setting him up to be like, oh, he's gonna be like, you know, one of the like the the kid in the previous movie, or mm-hmm. he's gonna be, you know, like, um, God, God forbid, the kid from All Monsters Attack. Like, just in that sense of like, he's kind of involved in a lot, and then like maybe he comes back at the end. Kind of, like, well, he like, he gets show like, support. He basically causes the problem in the movie. Shows up to admit that he caused the problem. That was the one thing I thought about the movie is like. Again, it was streamlined to the point of that it it smartly followed its plot and it didn't make you like like things like all right, they would get so much you would waste so much time on like oh the kids like, oh no, should I tell somebody about this, what I did? But then the next scene is like, oh, he owns up to it and, yeah. and like all the the players are there's no wasted time in this movie, like mm-hmm. in terms of like moving the plot along, which I did like. So ultimately what the the meat of the of the plot is that um the scientists come up with a new 
weapon to get rid of Godzilla, in which I call the Toho is trying to think of what they haven't done in these movies. Yes. And then they make basically a black hole cannon that shoots a black hole from space and is going to suck Godzilla into it. Yeah, so basically it creates a black hole and whatever is in its path gets sucked into it and then it closes. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is... Godzilla, oh, will, be Godzilla just, will be like floating off in space somewhere, or in like another dimension. He 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 he's not our problem anymore. Yeah. Is what they're trying to do. So yeah. then, when they do the test run on this weapon, um, which seems successful, but it also, unbeknownst to them, opens up a temporal doorway into mm-hmm. uh, prehistoric Earth and drops an egg of sorts in which our kid picks up this egg. Right. Cause the, the kid also was witnesses. Witnesses this. it because he's, he's moving away. Mm-hmm. And I guess this his old school is over there. Like they're destroying the school or something. Mm-hmm. And, and so he like goes back and like the government's like, Oh, you, this is a restricted access area. And some other guys trying to get in, but the kid of course sneaks in, he witnesses this and then he's caught. And then our hard ass, you know, soldier out for revenge characters like, Hey, you're not supposed to be here, buddy. But, I'll just let you off with a warning. And, and the kid's like, he's like, but you're a girl. Why are you fighting Godzilla? I'm like, that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> kid just had bad parents. He's yeah. making him very sexy. <laughs> well, no, if anything, it's like, but I said he's young enough where you can get that out of him. He's just yeah. more of like, ill well, cooties. He, he's still in the cooties. Yeah, he, I said he's still in the cooties phase of his career. Right, yeah. It's like, so you can still work a kid out of like not being a misogynist. But basically, yeah. So he's in this place. He finds this egg and he brings it with him when mm-hmm. he moves. Oh, because he's he's kind of interested because he's doing a uh, an insect diorama project, yeah. which fine doesn't need to be in well, there. Well, here's my thing about the kid because okay. he gets the egg right, and yeah. he's mm-hmm. like like even have this little scene where his mom he's with his mom in his new apartment and he, she's like, oh, I really I'm already liking Tokyo, like whatever, like Tokyo. Uh, if your dad gets another job, I'm gonna have to stay here. And you just feel like there's gonna be a little bit more with like you know he has to adjust to his new world while also you know dealing with like the fact that he brought this egg over right right but then like the egg basically you know the yeah. egg happens with the egg kind of hatches whatnot the kid talks to the scientist uh, the the soldier again and he's basically like, yeah i brought this egg over here it's my fault and then the, you know the soldier's like oh no it's actually our fault because we were dealing with you know mm-hmm. science stuff that we had no idea would would do this and then that's it for the kid essentially in the movie yeah and like and that's like that's actually a kind of because you feel like again they're investing a little bit of time they're like showing him like with this egg and they're He's sneaking around places. You just feel like there's going to be this... You even feel like there's going to be this weirdo oddball relationship between, like, the soldier and the kid. And Mm -hmm. the soldier's going to be, like, maybe learn something that she doesn't need that revenge or something. You know, like, something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's just, no, the kid just disappears until you see him once, like, escaping a Godzilla attack at, like, towards the end of the movie. Right. And it it just... That's just kind of emblematic to me of just everything. It's just, like... Seems like it could be something that is going somewhere, somewhere, and then it's just kind of that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, like, like you're, I, I know you in the past have been very much like characters that appear late, you know, are not like your thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think I'm kind of the opposite. Characters that appear early and seem important and then just disappear. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a lot worse, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's something that really just kind of is one of those negatives on the movie. It's just kind of is a little kind of pin that kind of drops I, it down a little bit it, well it's more so because it's he seems i would tend to agree with you because the character seems so involved yes like if it was just like oh this kid found an egg like if it was just like the 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 all that was to the kid in the movie was like he finds this egg brings it home and then it's like the first monster attack just to demonstrate that we have a monster and this kid is like maybe like the first 
victim or almost the victim. And then he tells, but you're right. Like he just, like if this movie kind of just started out where they're doing the test and it's all through the POV of our military and scientist characters. And then they're like, Oh, who is this kid? This kid just sees this and then causes more trouble. That's a little bit different than essentially they give screen time to introduce this like kid. They, they, they and, set up the kid. Yeah. And like, what's his home like life? And right. So it's like, because they do that, if it was like a, constantly moving around, it, like they set that up. If they, because here's the thing. I don't mind if you introduce like the kid as a plot point to get the plot going forward, but they introduce the kid as a character, like this character that you may or may not be following in the movie. So it's like, so I would tend to agree with that. It does seem weird. Then they just drop. The, the the character going uh going forward because it, it isn't as much there, there's less story in this movie as much as there's just plot in this movie mm-hmm. where and th- that's how the movie kind of even though i do like the streamlinedness of the plot like i said like with the kid realizing like oh i fucked up so he just tells because in any other movie you would spend way so much time with the characters just being like well, how did this happen? What is this? But this movie was a lot of like, well, nope, this is what happens. This character owned up to that, and they go to a scientist who knows exactly what's going on. And, you know, and some of that may come off as contrived, but I actually thought it was pretty refreshing for what they were doing. Um, So, which brings us to our monsters, in which we get introduced to the Meganula and Meganulon, and um, uh, which are big bugs and insects, and then we get a horror movie for like 10 minutes that's that's the scene i was going to talk about earlier yeah um because yeah it turns into basically like an alien or like a basically a predator movie like one of those types of movies. yeah yeah mm-hmm. it turns into just basically- which the last time we've seen anything like that was probably destroya yeah. where it was like more ground level monsters yeah. like attacking well people. basically because you see these two these two like people they're basically on a date you know mm-hmm. like and then like the girl's like i'm gonna get you a cola i'll be right back and then you basically kind of get the guys on the bench, and it's all like kind of a, a, a you know dark alleyway, and then all of a sudden he hears a noise, and he's like kind of looking around, like oh, oh, like, and then he gets attacked and by one of these dragonflies, mm-hmm. and then the woman comes back, and she's like, Steve, yeah, then she gets attacked, Steve, then she gets attacked, yeah. Now for me, I was like, oh cool, we're gonna be getting like a little mini Godzilla horror movie. That's actually a really cool concept mm-hmm. of like a different monster thing. But that's the only type of that scene we get in all in the movie, right? And right. I feel like that's really where kind of the movie kind of missed a trick. Mm-hmm. Where like I, I would tend to agree. I like what we got in the movie. I think it was like a good kind of <clears throat> you know swerve in the plot, and they and they do. It's not like that is it for the Meganula. Like they no. do get more play in the movie, so that works, and that's that's good stuff. But I would agree that like it would have been. You know, as much as I credit the movie for being streamlined, like you could have had a little bit more fun with the. You could have had like one or two more scenes like that Mm -hmm. because, like, it just basically then it goes from that to like, you know, like uh, not the birds, but like the bird scene in the core. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's like. Nick is obsessed with the core. We're gonna talk about it on a podcast someday, I swear. But basically, like, we're now you just see like all these mega gear. I like mega gila. Meganula. Meganula. That would mm-hmm. be the proper term. Yeah. Uh, they're like, like on a building and there's like you know, hundreds of them now. And it's everybody's like, where did these things come from? Mm-hmm. And like, how do we stop them? And, you know. Yeah. Um, but I kind of I kind of felt like I would have liked a little bit more of that kind of like because that horror concept I just thought was very interesting. And like, again, goes back to that like early show us stuff where like, oh, like it's this one's kind of a heist movie and this one's kind of, 
you know, like a weirdo political thriller type of thing mm-hmm. with like the Venetian and like I agree. I, it's I, like, I, I feel like there's like a lot more you could do playing with the genre, which is one of those things I loved about those early Godzilla movies. Uh, and I just wanted I just wanted more because they gave me the taste, and I just needed, I needed I, a little I, more of the taste. I would be uh, tend to agree, but um, moving into some of the stuff I did like about the movie. Um, is that again, other than like the broader breezy plot nature of it, um, I, I enjoyed, uh, some of uh, like the Godzilla suit and action stuff in this. I, for some reason, I don't know whether it was the direction or that there was a little bit more for it to do, but the Godzilla action in this worked way more for me than it did in 2000. I think it's about effects-wise a little bit because there's definitely like CG-ness, but it's not that same green screeniness that this one No, I mean, listen, doesn't have there, that green screen. so there's still makes, some dated elements oh, in here. there's definitely some dated CG elements. Yeah. But I do think that like they stand out less because... It was much better mitigated and yes. handled in this movie. Because, I like, thought. I mean, like again, two thousand had that weird green screen stuff and the weird camera turn stuff, and it's just very, very noticeable. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's like you know, you you're looking hard enough, you notice it, but it's very much easier to just kind of let that wash. There's a little bit more solid suit stuff in this movie. Definitely a lot more palatable than it was in yes. two thousand. Um, and and yeah. I was I told you this during watching the movie. I love seeing Godzilla swat at a building. Mm-hmm. Like when he just like smacks a building yeah, just, down, it's awesome. Up. Yeah, it's great. Um, so like, and I, so I really like the suit, and I like just like the look and the performance of the suit. Um, I think it's like a cool looking Godzilla, but it for some reason it worked a little bit better for me in this one. Um, and I thought that they got a lot of like interesting play on like different ways that Godzilla fights this new foe. I thought there there were some cool things of him getting swarmed and him like rubbing against a mountain to try to like rub them off and like whacking his tail against the mountain. Yeah, and I enjoyed stuff. again very Showa esque and kind of just kind of the, the the craziness to it and just yeah because you can even imagine those effects like back in like seventy one or whatever you know seventy one seventy two where mm-hmm. it's like. Oh, like we're gonna have a bunch of things stick to the Godzilla suit, and then you know this big one's gonna attack it later. Mm-hmm. And I did think it was interesting concept because they don't really, we really have like the closest we gotten is when like the two Mothra larvae attack at the mm-hmm. end of mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the original Mothra, um, but you really haven't had that sort of you know. Usually, it's always like the big creature, so really just having a lot, a lot of mini creatures kind of swarm Godzilla. Is actually a very different concept, and it, it it really actually works for that one major kind of fight where they're mm-hmm. uh, doing that. And I do I did feel like, for all the faults of like, you know, the little faults and things that the human elements have, I do think that kind of the the way that the human elements were integrated into the dramas of the fights, mm-hmm. uh, I felt was very effective too, because this is like you know that first fight where. You know, Godzilla's fighting all the all the Meganula, and, mm-hmm. and like they're all swarming him, and then they got to get the the black hole bomb cannon now, which is now a satellite, right? Um, in the air, and now they, you know they got to kind of well, the Meganula are like swarming, and they're they're disrupting the the lock on, so now they got to do stuff with that. I felt like the drama of that fight scenes were very effective in that sense, mm-hmm. uh, even something better than uh, another kind of step up from Godzilla two thousand, where that kind of kind of meandered a little bit and the humans really felt like they didn't have much to do there in those yeah. scenes. I felt like all those characters for all the faults that they might not have that deepness that they feel like they could have, they integrate themselves into the movie well enough mm-hmm. so that everything is effective when it needs to be. I thought there was also a really the one of the better effects that I actually did quite like was this is marks the first time I think in a Godzilla film where somebody actually 
uh, touches Godzilla. And at one point, our oh, lead yeah, that character... Was, that was awesome. That The way that they were able to achieve that effect, while sure, yes, you can see some of like the datedness, but it, I thought that ultimately they achieve that effect fairly yeah, well. And then that was kind of like, and that was like the most invested I was in that character because since you don't normally see that, like she basically hops on Godzilla to basically put a tracker in him. Yeah. And just the way that they shot around that effect, I thought was very, I also, you know, we, we never give enough credit to swimming Godzilla. I like swimming Godzilla. Swimming Godzilla is 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 some of the best Godzilla. Because you ever. always just you always just get the image of him walking out of the ocean, but when you see him swim, it's just yeah. like it's it's kind of cool. Come on, girls! <laughs> Something funny is going on over uh, here. But no, I, I I thought that her riding Godzilla and like that that looked great. Mm-hmm. That, that was really a lot of fun. Well, another thing I did like about this, like there was something very well done and charming about all the set work and miniature work in this movie where it was clearly a lot of miniatures like it was clearly like all this stuff is like fake cities and like models for Godzilla to go through or like the, like the underwater like a camera to go through but there was just something kind of I don't know why it was just like charming in this movie like because it was like other because in 2000 it's clearly like they're doing the realistic like proportions and everything whereas this time around when it's like you see Godzilla like like they did a lot of cool action where he's like going after the um soldiers so he kind of like shoves his head in between two buildings and and just the way that that looked it was just very fun it was very fun and charming and like yeah. very cuz then again it, it much felt like a old school show a movie just of the of the modern era yeah. so i liked all of that stuff i, I really did um, so then uh, we should talk about uh, the titles, uh, the movie's namesake, and Megaguirus, in which we eventually get... Uh, yeah, so basically within that, so Godzilla is sworn by all the mini dragonflies, mm-hmm. uh, or the, the big mini dragonflies. Who uh, get his DNA who, and feed it to their queen, yes. who mutates into a giant. And um, the black hole cannon basically missed. They failed. Sure, uh, they, sure. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just, I'm just kind of getting the yeah, context yeah, yeah. of the movie. Yeah. But yes, they feed it to... Uh, their queen, and their queen eventually gets big. Yeah. Oh, I thought you, you had more no, about I, that. No, no, it's like, so then it... it well, it's it, like a flooded city, yeah. and, then, you know... And well, it transforms into a big Meganula, which is called Megagirus, um, who is uh, their queen. And, uh, yeah, it's the up at the top of the episode. It's the giant dragonfly that uh, we described. Uh, this was one of the first movies where... Uh, if you look very closely in one of the night scenes when he's flying, you can see, or when she's flying, you can see the uh, cables that are uh, like, uh, like um, lifting her up yeah. uh, as, as she goes. So th- that that's really funny. Um, but yeah, like Megagirus uh, herself is, uh, is is cool. She's a she's a cool monster. Yeah, uh, and uh, she fights Godzilla. Um, and again, like how you you can really judge a monster based on how they fight Godzilla. Yeah, and again. I keep going back to this. That very that last fight had a very lot of Showa esque moments. Well, let's just, just talk about it. So, like, because eventually it just leads to them fighting, and I was very critical of the Orga fight for looking like two guys in heavy suits just, yeah, bumping into each other, and just did yeah. not really work for me at all. Whereas this one, the this one was this one again was like a little hokey and cheesy, but it was like fun. It was and, fun, and they no, found what? some ways to work around. Uh, because Megagirus' whole thing in this movie is that it's speed. Speed is the name of the game for Megagirus, that it is like a supersonic dragonfly that 
can avoid all of Godzilla's like atomic breath and and attacks and you you can't and then we'll sneak up on you put its pincer in your in your groin and uh try to suck all your energy out gotta go Uh, fast uh so and I thought all and I thought all that was like fun like when you know she's zipping across the screen and Godzilla's like chasing her with like the uh, thing there was an awesome move awesome move where Godzilla where Megaguirus tries to sneak up on Godzilla and Godzilla like catches her with his tail and like drags her out of the sky that was awesome yeah and there's like little mini moments like uh basically like uh Megaguirus like like just bumping continually Godzilla's head with her tail just kind of like boom yeah boom. oh yeah or like when they're like wrestling with each other and he's like just <laughs> smacking him on the head yeah, and, just and like stuff like slapping that. him around uh, and it, yeah, at one point, like she, she stabs him, she got Zill in the chest, but just again, just kind of the really silly kind of fun of like those good show era fights. And mm-hmm. and a lot of times, like I said, you can judge a Godzilla monster based on how they fight Godzilla, because at the end of the day, that's kind of where most of that engagement's going to come from you as an audience mm-hmm. member. Um, and it is how, we, kind of a mix between like how they terrorize people and how they fight Godzilla, but the Godzilla stuff usually kind of more so. And this one was like, it was... Because this also was a fight that didn't go on too long. Um, it was a fight that had a lot of interesting moves. I think like they used, they used kind of a similarity to the Godzilla Mothra dynamic, but different because Megaguirus is a different creature. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were just aping off of Mothra stuff. Mm-hmm. They were kind of doing its own thing. And at the end of the day, it was just a fun time to see that kind of last fight. You know, in the day, right? Good. You know, I think the suits worked well with each other and kind of you know, especially with Megaguirus being kind of a flying suit. It seemed like it kind of gave a lot more Godzilla to do, especially again in comparison to its our previous film. Especially like when you look at like it, going all the way back to uh, Godzilla versus Mothra, like the creatures really look good when it's like it's like the flying creature kind of like wrestling with Godzilla, and then those like yeah. wide shots of seeing that look very impressive. Um, it, it is interesting though the the one opposite thing, just to stay fair about it, is that the actual namesake of the movie like the fight ultimately feels very disconnected and inconsequential to a greater plot because normally what these movies do is like they kind of maybe get like this threat of like it just seems like all right they want to kill Godzilla and that this monster kind of gets created that way so then there's a monster fight but spoilers like Godzilla wins the fight and then the real plot continues so it almost feels like that this fight in terms of the actual stakes of the movie feels inconsequential to the a plot well it's also because it just feels like you know it's more so than anything like the the monster is just a slight inconvenience to the black hole Mm -hmm. because like the black hole cannon because the first time like yeah it kind of doesn't hit the lock on right but it's also just kind of like the fight was kind of over at that point, like with the mm-hmm. with the rest of the dragonflies, and so this kind of felt like it missed. And then this one was more so like, oh, it kind of got destroyed. You know, the the cannon got destroyed, and it's falling to earth somehow. Right. But the fight, the other fight's already over. Oh, because of um, Megaguirus's uh, supersonic uh, frequencies. Right. Uh, was, yeah. So was it's more so it. like an inconvenience to like. Yeah, the I main guess that plot. you're right. I guess that kind of works. It, it's just like you. But it's, but you're right in, in the sense that it doesn't. It really feels like. Oh, this fight ended, but now we still have a whole rest of the movie right. to go. It, like it, it, you're, you're right in the sense like it does fit plot wise, 
but it also does not fit plot wise. Well, it, think it, about it's not the, really like a big thematic thing going on because it's not even like oh, what if our science, like what if our black hole can of really rot like this other monster now that we have to deal with? They really never yeah. wrestle with that, and it's just like. Well, think of it this way. Like, think of the last time we had a similar creature was Destroya. And Destroya kind of presented this creature as, like, this creature potentially could be just as bad for us Mm -hmm. as Godzilla. So it kind of had its built-in little threat. So there's a little bit of me where, again, I know I'm kind of being hypocritical because I'm praising the movie for its breeziness. So part of me is like, well by design don't think that hard about it it's just kind of like a sci-fi like oh they have to kill Godzilla and then another monster comes and it's not necessary that there needs to be some other great big thematic threat that comes of Megaguirus so there is a little bit about that so but to be fair there is a bit of like well that seems like a little bit of like like disconnected and it leads to maybe the movie not being like it's big kind of like like what it could be, but it, yeah. it, it, but for anyway, for what well, we get with the monster fight, it's really good. And Even I think, though there, there's some shoddy things in, in this movie. Like, I don't know why they do this weird slow down frame rate thing. Yeah. There was some weird slow down. It was basically like, felt like it was felt like the type of slow that was padding. It yeah. was very much like, Oh, this shot kind of goes a little bit too long or like, Oh, we, we want to extend the score a little bit more. So like, we'll do this. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to say before we kind of move on to other shoddy things, um, I also feel like that has to do too with the fact that you, I, I for us, you're, we're not as invested in our human plot line because there's all these other kind of machinations that happen after the Meg- Megaguirus is is defeated by Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's like oh, like our our kind of uh, scientist, uh, our kind of guy scientist guy who's kind of always in casual wear, mm-hmm. like oh, he was hurt. But now he's heroically coming back to like fix, you know, the the programming on the black hole cannon, and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, our our other main girl is like gonna sacrifice herself, but then not really because she saves herself anyway. And it's just like, it just feels like if that human stuff was a little bit more like deep and a little bit more engaging to us, mm-hmm. that the ending of this movie would be more like, oh yeah, now now the humans have their turn. Also, I'm at this point. Where just defeating Godzilla like that is like, I don't know if it's enough for me to be like right. what I'm driving towards because I am kind of in that realm of like, I kind of like that show interpretation of Godzilla where it's like, oh, like he's kind of a destructor, but like he's also kind of a protector. Where, and I feel like the Hasty films kind of got into that a little bit more too. Like maybe he's still this destructor that we're trying to defeat, but he always is like kind of the one that's like fighting these other monsters. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like just kind of the pure like, oh, we have to kill Godzilla. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's enough for me now. Well, I, this is one of the big praises I had about the recently released King of the Monsters. And to a certain degree, the 2014 legendary film was that the one thing about this Godzilla franchise, much in the same way that I said the women's stuff gets very less effective and titillating in the uh, in the, the Bond, Bond films when you... Or just a lot of the tropes. Not a lot of them, but some of them get like... They work less and less when you binge these movies. The one thing is the, the, uh, the later and later we get into the Godzilla franchise, the one thing that does kind of get like, okay... I get it, is all the military stuff of trying to kill Godzilla. And it's always like, oh, we're going to shoot him with this, and we're going to try to do this, and we're going to try to do this. Whereas, like, I do like the fact that, like, the, the legendary movies, and I and especially King of the Monsters recently, that it's not it's none of that, that they have the military stuff 
pretty much to a minimum and it's not about like how are we going to kill Godzilla and about so I so I kind of echo that sentiment where it's just like that doesn't do that much for me yeah. anymore. Um, no, I, I and, don't think it's like completely. Uh, you don't can't do that, but like you just like just to kind of like yeah, we defeated Godzilla. It's like you need more. Like you just need to. Well, it's add also more because they it. don't really like that. That's the that's weird, the thing. So, that's the, some of the shoddy stuff about the script. I think for me, mostly like it's less about like I'm fine with the level of human stuff they do. Even though there's some more thought they could have put into it, you introduce our lead scientist guy as being an engineer that can make nanobots, but then they don't really do anything oh, with that. Oh, can I talk about that first scene, though? Because I, I was going to say that for my little bits and pieces, but yeah. I need to talk. So that's our introduction to our... So our other kind of... Basically, there's this scientist guy that they recruit who's like kind of really casual about everything. Like He's always in casual wear... He wears these weird like jeans with a sweater. No, no, it, it, it's like what's weird is like I think he has like either an overshirt or a sweater tied around his jeans, but the shirt he's wearing is always over that, so it just looks. It's a very it's just, weird clothing it just choice. It's bulky. He is wearing a Chicago Cubs baseball cap, so kudos to him. But at the beginning of this movie, he's like doing these tricks for these kids, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna put the, you know, this rice under the bowl, mm-hmm. and then like it's gonna pop out and it's gonna be all cooked and everything. And mm-hmm. the kids are like, whoa, and then. The, the Godzilla force comes in and our, our soldier character comes in. He's like, oh, it's just a trick, kids. He's actually microwaving it in the bowl using these nano machines. Mm-hmm. And the kids are like, oh, it's just a trick. Oh, I don't care. I'm As like, if that's not still impressive. It's not impressive. What, but they do say that in the movie, though. Like, the, the she does say, like, well, it's still very impressive and that's why we're recruiting you. Yeah. But, like, the, but the kids are like idiots. But it's just... It's just weird that you introduce him as being this nanobot... Um, you know, kind of like engineer, like yeah. but you like kind of, his, like, his big moment is reprogramming software to like a computer program that has a cute girl as like an avatar thing. Right. Yeah. Which is very Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but it's just like stuff like that too. And like, even like with, again, our, our, our businessman, our company man, who's like still like, Oh yeah, that we've been secretly doing the plasma project. It's just still like, you just like, where's the rest of like, yeah, the whole movie he's just kind of. Where's like, the rest of your plot yeah. on this? Yeah, <laughs> the whole movie's is like, yeah, like we're good, we're gonna defeat Godzilla, yeah, right. And then he's just like, yeah, but I was also because it's also the, the other thing about it is that like not only is he secretly doing the plasma thing, but he was also the founder of this anti-Godzilla force and like this like he was. But that's what I mean is like they don't frame him as like he's the villain of the movie. And I don't think you're supposed to see it that no, way. No, yeah, and then even like he does like he admits that yes, this would give me this would get me a promotion or something. Like but he doesn't say it as like that's why I'm doing this. Like he's like I can't deny that. Like it's just this is an energy source and we need to use it. And so you can are again. That's where I mean. It's very much like Saturday morning kids movie, like type of like yeah. deep of how far they get into that. Where it's like and it just like, gets the plot forward. Kind of like Grandma yeah. Scientist, who's like upset that like Godzilla attacked all the the people at the plasma plant because she was also like very much involved in that project. Mm-hmm. But then it just kind of turns into she's just like kind of like oh like the black hole cannon is dropping and we need to do something right and like it doesn't really kind of deal with that and even like I said like our our protagonist our our soldier character like she has the thing where she's finally going to like kill Godzilla and the whole thing is like well the cannons you know lock on sensors are damaged in its return to Earth so it can't lock on to Godzilla mm-hmm. because it's so big. 
And then she's like, well, lock, it'll be easier to lock onto my jet because of, you know, whatever. Like, let's just lock onto me. And it's like, you won't make it out in time. It's like, well, this is, you know, my destiny or whatever it is. And like, this is what I do. And then she still survives. Like, right. she jumps out of the plane and it just feels like, you know, maybe we could have gotten them. Like, I felt like a, like it, the movie was leading up to her sacrificing herself. That that was like the whole, like, that's what it felt like the movie was leading up to was that right. moment. And then the fact that it's just like, oh, yeah, I still survived to live another day. It's just, it just felt like, it just felt like, oh, that was finally our moment where it's like, we're emotionally invested in this. And mm-hmm. she's like, you know, avenging I, the death of her commanding officer by, you know, sacrificing herself for the better of humanity. And then, well, oh, it's just- I, it's funny that you're mentioning all this stuff and I don't disagree, but I feel like ultimately like. What would have been the key to this movie for me is if it was more like a Hasey film where whether it'd been like a show, a movie where it is just like the monster fight. But if it was more of like the Hasey film where they integrate the mega Gearus stuff a little bit into like because, the thematics a little bit, because it does feel like a plot B plot. And yeah. the, but those two basically kind of intersect in terms of some plot mechanics, but ultimately move and conclude on their own terms. Yeah. Because you're right, because it's like when the Megagirus fight ends, which, by the way, Megagirus must be the most flammable kaiju. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Because he basically just, like, like Godzilla, like, crushes him. Like, like crushes she, his tail. Uh, she, or, yeah. uh, he, she does, like, a, there's a lot of cool moves in the thing. By the way, it's not quite uh, flying on his tail, but he body slams Megagirus yes. at one point, which yes, was really does, awesome. Because like, he, he jumps up, too. He, like, kind of, like, like, you can see the bend of the knees, and he jumps they up. They also animate Megagirus' eyes to be like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> which is, that was fun. But, yeah, the body slam's great. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. But also... He catches uh, her tail in his mouth and then, like, bites it off, which is awesome, and then shoots her with a atomic blast, and then she just lights up. It's a big explosion. Yeah, it really is. And it, and it's awesome. But um and as much as I liked all that and all that stuff was great, but you're right. It kind of just ends and then the rest of the movie happens, yeah, which it's just like to like, me is not I did feel good like plotting. like that first fight integrated all that well, but I did feel like that second fight now that we're talking about it kind of keeps them separate a little mm-hmm. bit too much. And it's just like you're right. If it just the movie just kind of weaved out its two plots into a more thematically grounded idea, I think this you could have kept all the same elements, mm-hmm. expanded upon them a little bit. I feel like this would be a kind of a higher entry. Well, the the bigger thing that I think we can both agree with, and there's much evidence to support this, is that this was a movie that they did not know how to end. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you're right. But no, but it is that thing where it's like they defeat Me- he defeats Megaguirus, and B plot ends on its own terms. So it's like okay, that's just kind of over. Then they do the big sacrifice play. That's not a sacrifice play. They hit him squarely. Like, we see it happen. Like, we see him get hit with the black hole, and then he's gone. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, so then there's your movie. Okay, whatever, fine ending. And then it like it's like months later, and then it's like, oh, by the way, we think so it's, it's possible that he may have survived. And we're like, wait, what? Well, no, because it's like, because our, our, our casual get-up scientist, because he's always in casual gear, too. Yeah. He's always like... Well, that's his, it's funny that that's his personality, is that he's in casual gear. He's like, like, always wearing his Cubs hat and, like, has, like, his weird pant thing going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, always in kind of, like, a like a T-shirt. But he's, like, back in his, like, his, his old ways, like, just kind of, like, eating or whatever, you know. And then they come, the anti-Godzilla War comes back. It's like, we've, we've had uh, earthquakes in this area. And uh, we think Godzilla might be back. 
And he's like, you, you think earthquakes are going to tell you got Godzilla's back? Like, it's something to check out. And then, But no, but then, which first of all, let me, it, it's just like kind of like, well, wait a minute. Like, how seriously am I supposed to take this conceit then? Like, if it's like you spend this whole thing where it's like, if he gets hit by this black hole thing, then he's gone. And you demonstrate how he's gone. They even have a little digital 3D model about what's going to happen to him. So he gets hit. But then you're saying like, well, it's possible that he may have survived. So you're, but So then it's kind of like, Okay, listen, I have a pretty decent suspension of disbelief, but then you're you're really testing like how like, much are we supposed to take You know what's funny cuz I read it as like, oh, like There's he did an... get sucked into the black hole, but the black hole just popped him out somewhere on earth or something like that. Yeah. Uh maybe. I mean, you could That's, that's how that's how, that, that, that that was even silly to me. It's like, oh, like he got he did get sucked in the black hole, but then he like another black hole brought him back. Yeah, I guess maybe I could have you could have actually gotten away with that explanation as like, well, if this Megaguirus egg got dropped in, maybe he just went to a different point in time, yeah. so it's not necessary. Like maybe if they had established right, but that, even this still then it was just yeah. kind of like vague. Which then, apparently, but but given our well, I'll get to that in a minute. But then, so what's funny about this movie is like, so then they're like. And then he's like, one trope I did like that I think I would like to see in a better movie is they basically do the, nah, I'm retired. But they do it with a scientist. Yeah. Like, I kind of like that because you always see it with, like, the action guy. It's like, you got to get him out of retirement back in the game. Well, um, I guess King of the Monsters kind of did that a little bit with with uh, Kyle Chandler yeah. and being, like, he's more of a scientist, and which is another reason I like. I just like that movie because it was, like, less militaristic. Um, but anyway, so they go back, and he's like, nah, I've had enough of giant lizards for a while. And then our lead character kind of just, like, ah, oh, come on, and, like, shoves him, does the Elaine on him. And he's like, ah, my arm is broken. She's like, oh, my God, I forgot. And then the movie ends. Right, because, oh, I remember because... On a freeze frame. No, because I joked in earlier in the movie, like, oh, like, like, or, like, really really early in the movie like oh godzilla like movie ends on this freeze frame right it'd be a really weird really weird place for a freeze frame but then yeah she just like oh you oh my arm oh i didn't realize and then it's like oh like they're cute they're kind of in love no, but, but what's funny and i am not kidding about like she pushes him he's like oh my arm she's like oh i'm sorry and then the movie's over it, there's it says, no like beat I'm, I'm i swear to god like as she says that Freeze frame credits. Like, well, there's no, like, laughter. What, it, what, no what it looked like to me, like, how I described it during the movie is, like, it's like you're making, like, a student film in college, and, like, you're like it's your first film, and you realize, like, oh, like, the end of the movie, like, the footage is unusable. Like, I didn't realize there was, like, a plane or, like, the, the audio wasn't on. It's just completely <laughs> unusable. Like, I can't do this. So you're basically like, well, I have to cut it somewhere. Right. Like, that's what it felt like. Or, like, oh, the footage got corrupted. I can't have an ending to the movie. That is. That is how it felt and like. And then. Yeah, and then we have. We have a, a post credit scene. A post credit scene. With the kid. Yeah. <laughs> kid comes back. He's, like, in school now. He's in school, and then it's, like. But then it's like, oh, then he looks outside and you hear Godzilla, and then that's what, no, the no, no, scene. No, it's basically no, because remember, it's like he's like, oh, I'll be right. I gotta do my, you know, I gotta go put in my report or whatever, and I'll be outside in a second with the rest of the kids. He picks up his dragonfly thing, then everything starts shaking. Mm-hmm. Then you hear the Godzilla roar. Kids like has a shocked expression, cut the black. Right, and now you're like, what? Wondering what is going on? Yeah, it's like it really just didn't feel like they had an ending. Yeah, and then, well, then you and I joked like, "Wait, so does Godzilla blame this kid for Megaguirus, and now he's coming after this kid?" Revenge. 
Um, I have, so, I have yeah, one, oh, yeah, go, I have one more kind of little before we wrap up. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. one more little bit. We mentioned him briefly earlier, mm-hmm. but our exposition scientist, who's the ex, who's the uh, oh, yeah, expert yeah, yeah. on uh, yeah. the mm-hmm. uh, Megagirus and everything like that, straight out of like a comedy movie because all he does is like he like he's looking stuff up. He's like, yes, this is an ancient prehistoric dragonfly, and he like gets up and starts like walking off into like nowhere. And he's like, oh, like there were reports that we found one in the uh, you know this. But his second one after after the full Megagirus comes up is more ridiculous because he's in this guy's hospital room, our casual scientist hospital room. He's mm-hmm. in a broken arm. And he's like, oh, yes, and now the, the Megagirus is, is the queen and, and, and you know, it's got its wings and it's, if, if it gets out there, it could destroy us all. And now he's like looking off into the wall and then the other person just leaves and the, the, the exposition scientist is still just standing there and like you can just imagine him just going on and on about – and as a magnificent creature, much like the other mega bondus. <laughs> like, but it was just weird because then there's also this injured guy just sitting there and the other scientist guys is like, oh, I have nothing else to say, really. I was just here to give you the exposition on our new monster. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't little, disagree with that. I, I, I mean, I just kind of liked it because I just liked a movie that didn't belabor the point of trying to figure out what it was. You just had a guy who knew what it was and I thought he, I thought that was fine. Yeah. But it is funny. Like, he was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, overall, um, I... I still, like, at the end of the day, like, I still did not, like, hate the watch. I still enjoyed myself during this movie. It's yeah. not one I would immediately go back to, but... Yeah. Definitely better than Godzilla 2000. I and definitely not the worst thing we've watched. And, I, and like, mm-hmm. it's right on that edge of, like, if you just added a little bit more and maybe played a little bit more into that genre and a little bit more to those characters, I think this would be up there. Mm-hmm. But it's just the fact that it doesn't. Just kind of hurts it. Yeah, and especially because when you get to the end, like you just, it's a movie where you see the some of the seams of the movie, like some of the faults stand out a little bit more. But that being said, it's a movie, like I said, at the up at the top of the show, where it, sometimes when you streamline a movie and just make it what it is, in this case, it's like a sci-fi creature feature, and you kind of just stick to that, I know a lot of people think that's contrived and lazy but oftentimes i feel like because i i'm not a person who like all the time is like oh like even if it fails like it tried something and that's what makes it better i don't necessarily always agree with that and then like sometimes even though why this is more mid-tier godzilla for me and it's not one of the more memorable godzillas for me other than maybe the design of megagirus and the godzilla suit itself but ultimately, like, it stood out as a more enjoyable watch. And yes. then I was sitting there, and, and it's a solid enough movie, I thought. Um, and, um, yeah, and then and then I enjoyed it. And, I, and I'm interested to see where it fits in the Millennium series, which, as I had kind of uh, hinted, um, I all have some interesting opinions about. Um, so, real quick, uh, quickly, w- real quickly, just um, getting into the post-release of this movie. There's not really too much to say. We kind of already had established that the history of this movie is not. It- it's hard because it's not. It's a movie that's not really looked kindly upon, and I think that it has a little bit of that thing by both Godzilla fans and non-Godzilla fans that some of the things that you could argue we're giving it more of like the okay pass for where it's like, Oh, it's like a decent creature feature show of film where I think a lot of people don't like that mm-hmm. about it, that they don't like that. It's just kind of like a, you know, monster V monster with just pat serviceable plot stuff. Um, so ultimately it ranks 
pretty low for I think a lot of people or at, at the very most like forgettable to some people I wouldn't necessarily completely sigh with that but it is one of those things where it's like well like again after spending a couple weeks sinking my teeth into some Godzilla films like it, this isn't a movie that I can really sink my teeth into that much so I, I don't know how much I can uh, defend it other than those moments of like hey remember when he pulls Megaguirus out of the air that was awesome mm-hmm. um, but in terms of business um, unfortunately Megaguirus did less business than Godzilla 2000 in Japan. And uh, at the time when it came out was actually in the bottom five Godzilla films in all of Japan release. So history. Yeah. In history up until that point. Now I think it's either in the top 10 or 15 now that more films are out, but um, it, it was pretty low when it initially came out. And due to Americans not really digging 2000 that much or accepting 2000 that much, um, this movie did not get a theatrical release in America and um, uh, was uh, actually uh, ironically sent right to a uh, um, DVD and the aired on the Sci-Fi Channel, um, which is funny. I was just watching this movie. I'm like, this seems like a movie that would be decent if you watched on the Sci-Fi Channel. And lo and behold, it was actually uh, premiered there um, in America. So that is it for Godzilla versus Megaguirus, the second film in the Millennium series. Uh, nothing... One last thing to talk about. Oh, who is, is Harrison Ford in the film? Harrison Ford. I feel like he's like actually the president of the science building. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one that kind of, you know, like like oh, he's the one the head of development in the secret plasma base. And then yeah. when he looks out, he sees Godzilla and he's like, "My god." And then he gets and then he gets yeah. killed. Yeah, that, that's yeah. who he is. Right, because he's the one that's like, "Oh, like if uh, this goes up well, Johnson, you will be up for the promotion." And and Johnson's like, "Well, I I, I the promotion's nice. I I can't deny that you'll give me the promotion, but I also just really want more energy." He's like, "Sure." Yeah, and more energy. That's what you're really going for. You want that promotion, buddy. I know what you're going for. I also like that here's a Japanese guy's name is just Johnson. I like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he should be like, where's my plasma? Harrison Ford's the American owner of this company. He doesn't know any of these That's true. That's what he could be. He could be like an American investor. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. He just calls everybody Johnson and Steve. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, um, Megaguirus. Nothing mind-blowing, but we enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, Yeah. solid. Middle Mm -hmm. of the road. Good. Cool. Um, All right, so... uh, Next time on the um, Bondzilla podcast, when we uh, talk about Godzilla, we will be getting into the third film in the uh, Millennium franchise. This one I've been looking forward to quite a bit. I'm, I, I've, it's one of the films, I, Godzilla films, I've rewatched many times. I have many complicated feelings about. I'm eager to share it with you and to talk it over. And like, it, it, it's. You know, th- th- this one I'm just really looking forward to the next one because it has a very special place in Godzilla fandom, and I'm I'm just I'm always uh, wrestling with my opinions about it, and that is uh, GMK. Oh, I guess I, I guess I should tell you the whole movie: Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack. All right, GMK is. <laughs> Well, last time we had all monsters and attack in the same title. Didn't really go too hot for us, so I'm hoping this one's at least better than that. So anyway, so that will be um, our next Godzilla episode. But, but um, next time is not a Godzilla not. episode. And, uh, it's a Bond episode. This Bond episode is also one I've been very eager to uh, show you. Um, it is our second of the two non-Eon Bond films, uh, and it's a very interesting piece 
of work by Mr. Uh, Kevin McClory um, to remake Thunderball. His his goal, we have kind of hinted at this over the course of the podcast that he does make a Thunderball remake, and this is the movie starring Sean Connery, Never Say Never Again. Definitely our, a lot of elements. good pal Sean returning. A tur- good pal Mr. Sheen Coonery. Sheen Sen Cian Cian Co- Connor Connors. Sean Connors. Sean Connors. Sean Connors. <laughs> John Connor. Um, but there are there are definitely also elements of this movie. Um, I have not seen this one in full. Uh, I have seen bits and pieces of it, but I have not seen Never Say Never Again in full. So this will be completing my my Bond canon, uh, and I'll be very interested to see if it's better than Thunderball. Yeah. So um, looking forward to that. Um, to plug some other episodes we have, this month has been a busy month for us. We have a couple news episodes that we do when we get news. Uh, our previous episodes was the uh, uh, Casino Royale episode, the seven, uh, 1967 67 Casino Royale, uh, our uh, spoiler review of uh, this year's Godzilla King of the Monsters, and our first addition into one of our deep dive episodes in which we... Uh, take an episode to dive deeper into a Bond or Godzilla subject. Our last deep dive episode was a Bond deep dive in which we talked about the current status of Bond 25 and what we want to see going forward. And next week, um, after uh, this episode, we will be getting our first Godzilla deep dive in which you can look forward to us talking about Legendary's Godzilla MonsterVerse in which we talk about uh, what we can, what we anticipate going forward with Godzilla versus Kong and the future of the monster. Yeah, it's a sort itself. of a matchup to our Bond Twenty Five deep dive. Sure. Um. So with that, I'm done. You're done. You plug us away, and then hey, we get out of here. Plug time. It's bondsillapod at gmail.com if you want to email us about our fly problem. Uh, it is uh, Twitter. Uh, now I'm worried that like by tonight it's going to be like a, a giant fly yeah. that is just going to start wreaking havoc. <laughs> They're looking for your DNA. No, okay, oh, it's like a a William fly, Will, <laughs> William fly, <laughs> Brundlefly. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Twitter.com/slash/Bonzilla007, uh, Facebook.com/slash/Bonzilla007. Like and subscribe. iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We've uh, been continuing to increase our listener base so if you're new and listen to us thanks for listening and enjoy all right well we're done and uh goodbye everybody dragonfly (laughs) 